Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Do you wish it were simpler to become a stellar leader faster? Could you actually hack leadership? Well, Bill Treasurer, author of Leadership Two Words at a Time, Simple Truths for Leading Complicated People, and the first full-time internal executive coach at Accenture, has the answer. In his book, Leadership Two Words at a Time, Bill has figured out what to focus on in simple two-word phrases by learning how to lead self, lead people, and lead work, you'll be able to quickly and effectively lead anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And on the East Coast, we have our co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. How are you doing this morning, Ginny? Fabulously today. Thank you. Well, today on the podcast, we have Bill Treasurer, best-selling author and founder of Giant Leap Consulting. Over the course of three decades, Bill has worked with thousands of leaders from organizations such as NASA, eBay, Lenovo, UBS Banks, eBay, Saks Fifth Avenue, and many others. Prior to founding Giant Leap, Bill was Accenture's first full-time internal executive coach. Bill's newest book, Leadership Two Words at a Time, Simple Truths for Leading Complicated People, provides actionable and relevant advice to today's emerging leaders. Upon release, the book became an Amazon bestseller. Wow. Bill, as we end 2022, what's the one most important thing that is on your mind? Such a good laser question. First of all, it's oh. good to be with you, Jenny, Mitch. I'm looking forward to this time we're going to spend together. The thing for me that's most important right now, I really had to sit with that to think of that. And what I came up with is staying objective. There's a lot of noise out there. There are a lot of vying for our attention and a lot of twisted narratives trying to get us caught up in their narratives. And it's hard to find out what is the truth anymore. I remember years ago, remember the term truthiness. Well, I would like to try to get past truthiness. And what do I actually see when I take facts and when I assimilate information? Am I remaining objective or am I being swayed towards a point of view that somebody has a motive for making me have that point of view. And I think it's really hard today. And I think it becomes a wedge in our society. And I think for me, just staying objective so that I can be an individual in this world without too much imprint of other people trying to persuade me to be what they want me to be. I think it's really important at a time, especially for leadership to remain objective because there are so many voices and opinions out there. And the greatest thing a leader can do is just bring us you know, down to earth, what's actually really happening so that we can actually move from the truth. I love that. Yeah. You say your new book serves as the playbook for new leaders. So what makes transitioning into a new leader role so challenging? And how does your book help new leaders with that transition? So it's a really tough transition. A lot of times we get put into a leadership role because we're really good at something. We're really productive. People see us going the extra mile. We're conscientious. We deliver 
and add value. And somebody says, you know, that person, let's give them a team of people. Let's put them in charge of people. So they got there through their own individual contribution. And we literally call them individual contributors. And then we give them people to be responsible for. And so what happens a lot of times is we default to what got us successful as an individual contributor, being productive, knowing my work inside out. And we start doing that for the people that report to us. We try to know their jobs a lot. We sort of get into their stuff. Sometimes we don't delegate to them. We start getting subsumed by trying to know more than we can know as the strategy for success because it's what worked when we were an individual contributor. So this book is the playbook to say, stop, don't get subsumed. Because what happens is that you flounder and then you start not enjoying, you take the joy out of leadership and some people give up at that point or question their own self and lose confidence. So this book is like, here's some essential stuff gathered over thousands of conversations and interactions with leaders about what works and what to avoid. And it can serve as the playbook, as you know, both Ginny and Mitch, I'm sure you are aware, a lot of leaders will complain later on that, hey, nobody handed me a playbook. Well, this is the playbook that new leaders, if they follow this guided path, they increase their likelihood of enjoying leadership and not just becoming a leader, but staying a leader. Okay. So we're just five minutes into the podcast. I just want to know for our listeners, give us one of the plays. Ah, so there's a lot of two word sort of ideas and the book is broken into three central ideas. And the idea is about leadership fitness. And if you want to be fit to lead, you've got to do three things. And this is how the book is organized. First, you've got to lead yourself. Yes. The stuff that you did as an individual contributor matters. You have to have personal discipline. You have to use your time wisely. You know how to set and prioritize goals and you need to be self-evaluative. You need to know who you are leading yourself. The second thing is you've got to lead people and leading people is not the same as leading yourself. You got to create psychological safety for them. You have to make sure that you're clear on your expectations. You need to pull them in on setting goals and helping them to find the path to do their work. And you got to spend individual time with them. And then the third thing is you've got to lead work. You do the other two things so that you can be productive in the workforce and add value daily and help your team add value daily so that the organization becomes more valuable itself. And part of that means leaning into and learning to love business. So lead yourself, lead others, and lead work. That makes you fit to lead. I I really like the athletic reference, the fit. So that also means, so, you know, what's my game plan to stay fit? Yeah. So I've been fortunate to have worked with some military folks. In particular, I wrote a book with a guy named John Coach Havlick, who was a Navy SEAL for 30 years. And if you lose the confidence of your command and the confidence of the people around you, you'll be removed from your leadership role. So the idea of leadership fitness is, and you've heard this before, right? Are you fit to lead? Not just physically fit, but are you mentally fit? Are you disciplined? Are you not petty? Are you humble? Are you open to learning? Are you engaged with the strategy of the organization, but operationally know what needs to be done? So are you sort of well-rounded and holistic as a leader? Do you have leadership fitness all the way around? Great list. Yeah, thank you. Now, I actually delved into the book. I think I'm about 25, 50 pages in. And what I like about the book is it's really written to that first leader. I think you're really connected to what that new leader is really thinking 
and what his or her fears are and his or her questions are. And you make it really simple to understand what the elements are. So I think you walk away from the book and you can say, okay, these are the things that I need to know. And these are the things that I need to do. And I can go out there and do them right away. The title is Leadership Two Words at a Time. How did you land on the two-word idea? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for your compliments about the book. Yeah, I was the pen that wrote stuff down, but really that book is brought to you by thousands of people I've gotten the good fortune to have been able to work with. How I landed on two words was there was a point in time over 20 years ago when I was coaching at Accenture, I had an individual I was coaching who was an associate partner and wanted to become a partner. And if you talk to the partners, they were like, he's too eager. He wants it too much. He gives off an intense vibe and he's always hanging around us, but he doesn't cultivate relationships around him and beneath him. You know, he needs coaching. So when I would engage in the coaching relationship with him and over time, one day I just asked him, I'm like, if you could just laser in on it, what do you think you'll need to become a partner in the firm. What do you think the partners are looking for in you that you need to close the gap? What do you think it is? And he just said, you know, I think I probably need to be calm and confident. And it was illuminating to me. And I know it was illuminating to him. And that's what we lasered in on. And so that's what the work became focused on is helping him develop, cultivate that composure piece and be more calm and reasonable instead of being intense and giving off that intensity energy. And he'd get ready to go to meetings and he'd be like, hey, Bill, I'm meeting with the partners today, CC, which meant calm confidence for him to remember, right? And over time, that taught me that if I could help a coachee laser in on the thing that they might need to work on to close the gap to become the leader that they want to become. The fewer words they used, the more likely it was that they would actually take action and make a difference in making the behavioral change. So over time, I started to collect a bunch of two-word concepts. And at some point, you know, and I collected them for like over 10 years. And then during late COVID, I had no plans on writing a book, but COVID went on and on and on. And I said, <laughs> COVID did that to you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? I might as use, you know, remember that book idea I had way back when? And I started putting it down to paper. What are the essential two word concepts that if I were new in the workforce and new in a leadership role that I'd want to know? And that's sort of how it gave birth. Right. So can you go deeper into some of the two words ideas? So if we would go through lead self, lead people, lead work. What are some of your favorite chapters in there and then mm. illuminate for us, for our listeners? Yeah, thanks for connecting it to the chapters. So I'm going to take one from each one of the segments. So the very first chapter in the book, and it's positively Socratic, and that is know thyself. You don't want to be oblivious as a leader. There's plenty of late stage leaders who got into leadership with no degree of self-awareness. Hopefully they've learned some along the way, but you can bypass that. There are things that you can do to gain self-awareness, to make sure that you understand and that you've got good motives for wanting to be a leader in the first place, and that you know what your strengths are, and you know what the overuse of your strengths are. So the shadows that they start to cast when you overuse them. So knowing thyself, and I call it the most courageous journey that you'll ever take is the journey to the center of yourself. Hopefully you do that with counseling. Hopefully you do it with coaching. Maybe you do it with therapy. I'm a big advocate of and beneficiary of therapy. So I think that knowing thyself is crucial. And that's in the leading self category. In the leading others and the leading people category, creating safety 
There's been a lot of popularity around the idea of psychological safety, and I think it's great. And I was writing about it in one of my books back in 2008, the importance of creating psychological safety so that you build trust with people and so that people aren't afraid to come to you with information that you might need to do a better job as a leader. And part of that cultivating of safety means you not flying off the handle when somebody makes a mistake that's honestly made and for you to have sort of a reasonable demeanor. And in fact, deputize people to tell you the truth. There's McKinsey, the great strategy company, talks about the obligation to dissent. You want to make sure that people on your team know that it's safe enough that they can express themselves and be themselves without fear of you chopping their heads off. And then in the area of get work, it may seem simple. It's the only chapter in the book that I didn't have a subtitle for because to me, the title was just self-explanatory. And that is, you know, you lead yourself, you lead people. At the end of the day, get results. You have to get results. It's nice that you want to take care of people. It's nice that you want to make sure that you're concerned with your own ambition and climb, but you've got to get results. It's why they put you in a leadership role, to solve problems, to capitalize on challenges and opportunities, and you have to deliver value. And that's how you're going to be judged. In the same way that a coach of a sports team is judged by wins and losses, you're going to be judged by did you or did you not, through how you motivated your team, through your own self-discipline, get results. And so you do those three things, know thyself, create safety, and get results. I love this two word. It is so true. You can attach yourself to sort of like the hook of a song. This is the hook. And you remember two words, it gives you focus. Oh, yeah, I can remember that. And then associate all the behaviors that need to go with it. I'm taking so many notes. And just like you, Mitch, starting to think in terms of two words. That's the fun of it. Like, you know, when we post on social media now, we'll be like, what are the two words that you think are important? Because I want to hear those too. Yeah, I thought it was team anywhere. But, you know, those are just, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Those are good words. Yes. So, Bill, thank you for that. Know thyself, psychological safety, get results. What do you think is the most challenging for leaders today in this post-pandemic world? Yeah, I think what's challenging for leaders is a couple of things. One, in the post-pandemic world, you might remember back in 2019, in some respects, it was a little bit easier because you had policies, you had procedures, it was black or white, either you're abiding and complying with it or you're not. And now we move into this place of exceptionality where we're having to make exceptions for people and considerations and accommodations for people. Some people are working from home with immune compromised people. Some people don't want to go back to work full time and want a hybrid sort of thing. And many workforces are giving that because it's such a competitive landscape today. So the exceptionality and how do I navigate when before it was kind of easy, just black and white, follow the policy, comply or not comply. Now I'm like, okay, this person I have to do this for, this person I have to do this for. And how do I do that and not be seen as favoritism and still be seen as objective as a leader? And then the second thing is a lot of organizations right now, despite the rumblings of a pending potential for a recession, a lot of companies are really thinly staffed right now. And it's really hard to get workers. And in the meantime, what happens is the leader ends up doing work that they've probably outgrown out of necessity. And people at lower levels sometimes have to step up a level above them and get sometimes overpromoted even. So I think that those are two big challenges right now facing the workforce, the exceptionality leading in an exception where you have to make exceptions 
and then being thinly staffed and how challenging that is from a stress standpoint, nonetheless. You know, what I'm finding in this post-pandemic world and even the pandemic world is, you know, the book is really focused on new leaders. What advice do you have for the new leader who, I mean, in 2019, here's your team. They're standing right in front of them. You can shake their hands and you can see, you know, how tall they are, you know, what their bodies look like. Now it's like, you just been promoted. Here's your team and you'll never meet these people in person. What Mm. advice do you have to that young leader? Let's acknowledge how challenging that is. Just think of, first of all, recruiting somebody online and then having to onboard them online. It's certainly very challenging. I will say that there is a lot of information about this. So I Googled the term and there were over 1 billion results that I got with that. And part of it is that you know, remote leadership has been around. So I remember back when I was working at Accenture and we were starting to outsource and do offshore outsourcing. And so people in the United States were leading teams in India and the Philippines and such. And that's really the first exposure to remote leadership. And it was really explosive at that moment in time. And now it's back. And so first of all, recognize that there is a lot of a body of knowledge around this. The second thing is there's some stuff that you're going to have to do virtually that is harder, building the team making time for fun stuff with the team virtually is hard. And also making time for the personal touch, the one-on-one time. You still have to do the stuff that you would do in an in-person environment. And I think that you as a leader, on the one hand, I'm sort of going to speak out of both sides of my mouth. You've got to make sure you're cultivating time with the team and cultivating the individual time. And the other thing is that you as a leader have to be vigilant for when some people might be overworking. Some people don't know how to turn it off. And you want to make sure that you're still checking in with that so that you know when to help a person not sort of redline into the overstressed environment. You talked about fun. I'd love to know, we had the pandemic, we might be going into recession. How do you put the joy back in leadership? Well, first of all, leadership can be joyful, right? And it should be. And if you're not experiencing joy, at least occasionally as a leader, then things need to change. First of all, take the long view on the legacy. What is it I'm trying to do again? And think about the most rewarding moments of leadership. And it's probably being able to impact a person and help them perform at a better level, or maybe helping them, you know, remove blockage to something that they wanted to get, help them get to their career advancement. But when somebody contributes to the furthering of somebody else's career, there's great joy in that. But I like to get teams together. And whenever we do a team building, we're going to make sure that we do some experiential stuff. We step away from the actual work do some fun, engaging activity that has purpose, and then we'll debrief and process the activity afterwards. But we've done everything from hot air ballooning to whitewater rafting to we recently did something where we took people in Range Rovers and in this like really muddy, you know, big in crawl space environment. And they even drove the Range Rovers blindfolded. Talk about courage. (laughs) So we try to find ways to, the team needs it. They need to let some steam off together sometimes that has nothing to do with work and everything to do with building relationships. The old word we used was bonding. And in the same way that your car might need an oil change every couple of thousand miles, your team needs team building. Even if you take them to Top Golf, whatever, have them over your house for dinner. But we need some way of connecting with each other as humans. That's great. Driving Range Rovers is not safety, but maybe it is psychological safety. So (laughs) you've been a practitioner of leadership development for a long time. How did you get interested in leadership? I'm embarrassed to say I did a bad job of leading. And I know that because one of the people I was leading took me aside away from the team and said, 
Bill, you suck as a leader. How about that? That How was about good. That? How do you <laughs> really feel? Yeah. <laughs> you just like hit right, boom, right in the face. And I got defensive and I was like, I'm your boss. I'll talk to you any way I want to and stuff. And But I thought about it later and I knew he was right. I had no idea who I was as a leader. And my only reference point was my dad, who frankly was a bit of a hothead. God rest his soul. And that was the imprint. So I picked up a book. The first book that I picked up was The One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard in San Diego, California. How about that? And that book, it helped me. And I got a little bit better at it. And then I got the book Up the Organization, where I came across the term organizational development. And I got better at leading. But more important, I got really interested in the topic and the subject. And I decided to put myself through graduate school. Here I am some 30 years later, getting to talk to the both of you about leadership, all because somebody had the courage to tell me what a crappy leader I was. Wow. Great story. Yeah, I know that when I kind of got interested in leadership, my dad actually wasn't a hothead. But when I started getting interested in leadership, I just walked into his library one day because he has a million books. And there was Ken Blanchard's book. And there was, you know, Drucker. And there, I was like, yeah. why didn't you tell me about these things? So let's talk about your book. Back to your book. How can sure. we find out more about your book? What are some of the tools and freebies that you have for leadership two words at a time? Yeah. So if they go to giantleafconsulting.com slash, and then two words, two being the numeral two, and then there's a download of the introduction of the book. And there's also a button where there's all sorts of resources and shareable memes and reviews and such about the books, and you'll get all sorts of information. Then if you like it, go to your favorite online retailer after that and get yourself a copy. It's yourself a copy. I totally recommend it. Great. Well, thank you so much, Bill. It's been a great one. Please, for our listeners, if you're a young leader, there are not many good leadership books for that new leader. And this is one of them. So I want to thank you, Bill, for your time. It's been great getting to know you. Thank you, Ginny, as always, for your fabulous, fabulous questions. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us and learning how to lead from anywhere. And with that, we'll see you next time on the next episode of Team Anywhere. <laughs>